there really is a revelation about lifting him up that it almost there's a lot of things I can tell you there's a lot of things I can preach to you there's a lot of things that I can proclaim I can teach, I can preach but until you discover that some of these weapons they really do work it will revolutionize let's praise him again let's praise him again there's nobody like Jesus There's nobody like Jesus. Hey Amen. There's probably, there's probably so much to say about redemptive lift that the Bible said, Jesus speaking, that if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. But there's another part to that, that if I lift Jesus up, that he lifts me up. There is redemptive lift. And uh, everything in nature is, is pushing down. Gravity, inertia, resistance, negativity, carnality, flesh, the devil. Everything's trying to push us down. And so <clears throat> thrust has to start somewhere. And it starts with a revelation. No matter how bad my day is, how, no matter how bad my week is going, God is worthy of this. And it becomes a game changer because then he lifts me. Come on, let's do that one more time. Let's exercise what is rightfully ours. I'm going to exalt him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to place him over my physical problems. I'm going to place him over the diagnosis of the doctor. I'm going to place him over, 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 high above, high above, high above. Praise God. Amen. To all of you that are visiting with us, and we have a few, we are not crazy. This is not crazy. This is how normal people act. To varying degrees, I'm not saying you got to, I still try to run, but I only make it to about right back there. That's why you see me take off, really, man, pastor, really running, and then I just kind of limp my way up here. But uh, this is how normal people, when you have a revelation, it's good. It's good. I want to give huge cornerstone welcome to Brother Dan Newby's wife is here with us in service. <laughs> now, I had the privilege of being one of the officiants in their beautiful wedding in May and um, it is so good to see her and this is her this is her new home 
and we are going to treat you like royalty. Why not? Look at somebody and say, why not? I think I got a revelation earlier today that we are going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start a little thing called Cornerstone Creations, and I'm going to start printing sweatshirts that have scripture on the front, and on the back it says, why not? And the first one, the, the first one, Zach Pyatt, that I'm going to print says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus which strengthens me. Why not? They will be coming to your nearest cornerstone coffee shop. In Jesus' name. I do have some bad news, and I do apologize for this, but we dis, we felt like it was the right thing to do. Um, Sunday and Monday, um, one of those days was the worst smoke index in the history since they were keeping records in Spokane. And I think, I think maybe yesterday was just a tad bit better. And, uh, but it's causing uh, even some physical afflictions with some members of the church body here. And the whole purpose of the Cornerstone Campout was to have a unanimous effort where all of us could enjoy a time of fellowship in the outdoors uh, in another setting and have good church, etc. cetera. Um, under those stipulations, we've had to postpone our camp out until next year. We were able to get a full refund because of the obvious predicament of so much smoke. Um, in fact, Coeur d'Alene in North Idaho, it's even worse than it is here. Um, but we were, the, the camp officials were very workable, very commodious, gave us a full uh, refund, and we are going to be planning that before fire season next year. I think we got a revelation that we are going to do it before fire season next year, and uh, we do appreciate uh, your understanding on this. We were all looking forward to this, and uh, but it's just one of those things. Listen. I hope they catch these guys starting this fire. Don't tell me that this is all lightning strikes. There's people out there that are crazy that are doing this thing, and uh, I hope they catch them in Jesus' name. In fact, I just was talking to somebody the other day that said that they saw people, they actually saw people that started one of the fires. And uh, these kind of things are happening, and uh, I hope they catch them in Jesus' name. I'd like to direct your attention here tonight to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 1. Now, I will say that you can still go camping next week if you want to. Um, we're not prohibiting that. Just make sure you're wearing a mask. Come back alive. We're going to look at one scripture here in 1 Timothy chapter number 1. And uh, I am really believing God to do something very special here tonight. 
I want to say something. Man, when I left this place on Sunday, I really felt like the Holy Ghost had moved. Ladies and gentlemen, be expecting that. Be expecting God to do something. God is more anxious about us all coming together than we are. Do you believe that? I really believe that. One verse of Scripture, verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Rebuilding the shipwrecked. Rebuilding the shipwrecked. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's pray together. Let's pray for the Holy Ghost to do something very special here today. I realize it may not take place necessarily in this building, but God is going to deposit something in your spirit that's going to continue on to work. Let's pray together by the authority of the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voice with me. Father, we love you, we praise you, we worship you. There are people here among us that are desperate for something to happen that is genuine, that is real, that leads them back to a place of spiritual wholeness and vitality. God, I pray that by the authority of the name of Jesus for spiritual rehabilitation. Oh, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Oftentimes, and I really believe what I'm about to say because I was a full-time evangelist for three years. And um, when you're an evangelist, one of the, one of the, if I could say this right, one of the things that is gratifying as an evangelist is when you preach, you see immediate results to some degree or another. This church has those kind of things happening on a weekly basis. And um, But the reality of it is, is the Bible said that when you cast your bread upon the waters, after many days, it will not return void. And so you, a ministry that is going to go the distance has to have a balance between doing the work of an evangelist because there are immediate things. And I, I love it. I love it when I see God do things. I love it when I see um, God blessing somebody. I, I love to see that. I, I, I feel touched when I see somebody else getting the Holy Ghost. And uh, it's, it's a powerful thing. But that does not minimize the reality of that when something is preached that is determined by the Holy Ghost to be preached, that God is going to begin a work in our midst. And I want to encourage you that when you hear things 
that God has your zip code. God has your address. You hang on to that and say, that's mine. I don't have to even, I may not see anything tonight or tomorrow or the next day, but God, that's mine, and I'm keeping that. Come on, let's clap our hands and give him praise. That is the truth. Long before there were planes and plane wrecks, trains, train wrecks, cars, automobile accidents, modes of transportation for the human race. As old as Bible times, going back, historically to the ancient Phoenicians was the use of boats. In fact, much of the Bible has uh, a lot to say about boats and traveling on sea, whether it is fishermen in the New Testament or it is people that are journeying across the great Mediterranean Sea, like Paul was in Acts 27 on his way to Rome. Boats were an important, not just a mode of travel, but they were a mode of taking great merchandise. In fact, some of the greatest cities where churches um, were actually started, such as Corinth, that was on an isthmus um, in Asia Minor, was a seafaring city. Much of the influence of Greece was so because of the influence as being a seafaring people, as it was a mode of transportation that was um, far preferred above traveling by land. Traveling by land was very, uh, very painstaking. They did not have roads like we have roads today. They, uh, they required beasts of burden to be able to stumble over bramble and potholes and rocks and uneven ground. And it was hard on the human feet. varying primitive cultures that it became uh, the proper mode of transportation. But it also became, became a place where great treasures were moved because uh, they, could, they were not subjected to armies and, and people that were robbers and thieves that, would, uh, that could take over and take the treasures and kill people. And, of course, there was always pirating. But when there was great treasures, uh, nations learned that we will send a few battleships with the treasure. And so boats were used not just as a means of travel, but they were more commonly known as a way of taking great treasure, gold and silver and precious stones and other uh, precious commodities that were cherished in the East world. And uh, much of the age of discovery in more modern times, in uh, the Middle Ages and beyond, the age of discovery would never have taken place without boats. 
One of the reasons why they feared to travel outside of eyesight is because they feared that on the other side of the horizon that the world was flat and people would fall off. And this is what kept people in bondage. Um, this, this is what I'm telling you historically is very true, that people were afraid to travel beyond the horizon because uh, cartography and map making was very crude and, and unreliable. And uh, people, in fact, in the Dark Ages, people, uh, the common person, did not travel beyond 20 miles from their home. They were illiterate. Um, incest was rampant. Murder, uh, vice of every stripe. Um, I don't mean to be negative, but the Catholic Church would not allow their constituency to have the Word of God. It had to come through the medium of the priest. Um, and they, they were the champions of the Dark Ages, even though the people that they... Uh, that they ruled over were illiterate and in moral darkness for many, many years. And so boats were very important to the new world, and they were important to the old world. And the Apostle Paul is using a word here that is not used by any other apostle. He was familiar with shipwrecks. In fact, if you have your Bible open with me, let us look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, and one verse of scripture um, says this, the apostle Paul speaking, he says, thrice was I beaten of rods, thrice was I beaten of rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. what it was like to have your, your mode of transportation that you trusted in to get from point A to point B absolutely wrecked and all hope of making it uh, became in question. In the book of Acts, of course, you don't have to turn there right now, but in the book of Acts, chapter number 27, one of the more famous shipwrecks in the Bible is when the Apostle Paul appealed uh, to being a Roman citizen and thereby uh, being able to give his state his case uh, in Rome, that he is shipped on a boat. And that boat uh, suffers a drastic shipwreck. We may talk about that in a little bit later. But um, that is an amazing uh, situation that takes place in the Word of God. But this particular passage of Scripture is the only place where he is talking about the experience of the human condition where you can personally experience a shipwreck. Amen. The Apostle Paul is mentioning two components here in verse number 19 of 1 Timothy chapter number 1. He is talking about faith and he is talking about a good conscience. And the reason why faith and a good conscience are so important is because they provide us with a spiritual and an emotional balance to our spirituality. We are not just here today because I know the people coming into this, oftentimes they look at this. And, and people, people, one of the reasons why I think that revival, great, great revival 
is, is some, sometimes obscured and retarded is because it's not the doctrine that people have a problem with. It is the liberty that we, that, that we experience here in this church in the demonstration of praise and worship and devotion to God. Um, people that are coming from the world, they never even question that at a rock concert or a sporting event or maybe some other humanistic uh, gathering where there is a hero or some icon in a culture and hands are raised and voices are raised and our world never questions such things. But all of a sudden when it comes into the arena of the supernatural and it comes into the place where there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. They do not understand religion where people are liberated. They do not understand religiosity where people can be free and be cleansed and be washed. Oh, let's clap our hands because we can and give him great praise. It is because of him that we are free. And we are free indeed. random, just not just random utterances by the apostle, but he is describing uh, the needed balance for us to be whole, to be growing, for us to be, uh, to be content, to be confident and competent in who we are and who God is and, and to have a normal, uh, whole emotional comprehension of who we are as God's people. And it is to have a strong element of faith, and it is to have a good conscience. They are required. And then he describes in verse number 20, he describes of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. This is an incredibly interesting scripture, and one the biblical expositors, and I have thousands of pages of biblical expositors, and all of them love to take their best shot at trying to um, give some commentary, some, some comment on some of these scriptures. I'm going to tell you, I am glad that I have the Holy Ghost. I have the author of this book on the inside of me. The reason, why, the reason why that is so important is because when you have the author of this book inside you, if you will continue to pray and continue to go after particular scriptures, this has happened to me more times than I can even count, scriptures that the Holy Ghost has brought to me and I begin to savor them and masticate it and ruminate it and pray about it and eventually the understanding comes. The understanding comes. It is, a, it is a supernatural phenomena that is not just reserved for the pastor, but you have that capability as well. You have that capability in you through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In a boat, and when I talk about boats, I'm not talking about this modern hydrofoil stuff. I'm talking about ancient boats that have a bow and a rear where the rudder is. They have a stem and a stern. There is a balance between the ballast and the anchor, flotation and permanence. 
the need to be driven by the wind, the need to ride above the waves, the deep things, the, the balance needed to navigate through storms. And when you talk about boats and you talk about shipwreck, we're talking about in the natural, there are, there are many ways that a boat can be sunk. You have um, getting too close to shore, even today with modern instrumentation and navigation, uh, there is still the danger of boats getting too close to either rocks or reef in which uh, they can either become grounded or they can have a tear inside or some wound to the body of that boat that allows the outside world in and begins to sink and weigh that boat down. Some malfunction at sea, uh, faulty instrumentation, storms, a fire, uh, even the Titanic that um, thought that they would be fine navigating through a place uh, where there was ice was, was brought down by uh, an iceberg, water coming in, and then ultimately the sinking of a great and powerful boat. When we talk about the kingdom of God and people of God, there additionally, there are other things that can cause a shipwreck in a person's life. Becoming wounded, becoming offended, where it is untreated and it is, it is allowed to fester and grow and develop um, into, into something bitterness can literally, uh, it, can, it can actually suck the grace, the grace out. It can, it can dry a person out to where uh, they begin to sink into carnality and, and, and lose out on spiritual things. And, and I could be here all night talking about the various conditions, but I want to say just enough so that I, I am being responsible in the Holy Ghost and responsible to you tonight because there are people here tonight under the sound of my voice that God has sent me here tonight not to put you down, not to hold you down, but to let you know that help is on the way and you will float again. You will rise again. You will carry precious items again. You will carry gold again. Clap your hands and give God the praise. But you're not doing yourself any good by faking it. You're not doing yourself any good by just going through the motions. You've got to do it God's way. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. talk about failure, and there's different kinds of failures, and some failures go deeper than others and have far-reaching implications. You have relational failure where people become offended and they don't communicate, and they hang on to the little thread of reasoning that I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm hurt. You're only hurt once. Get over it. There's far more that's at stake than you just sitting back sulking Because the time is going to come where God is going to require you to do something about that hurt. And I'm not putting you down for that, but I'm saying that we have to be responsible even in our hurt. Even in our woundedness, we have to be responsible. People need to hear me in this building here tonight. It's one thing to be wounded. It's another thing to, to slink back into the shadows where the devil is waiting on you, that he can fill that wound full of lies and full of, oh, my God, I'm so in the Holy Ghost right now. You ought to encourage people. There's bomb in Gilead. There's healing in the Holy Ghost. 
Yes, we might need to talk it out, and it might take time. But somebody is going to have to trust God. Clap your hands and give God the praise. in other areas, and then it's, then it's not going to be anything you can blame. You can't blame it on other people. You're going to have to deal with it. It's like somebody has a mortal wound thinking that I'm going to be able to limp through the jungle, and I'm going to be able to eat leaves and bugs and, and, and maybe kill some animal to get, uh, to get some nutrition. No, what you need is a doctor. What we need is the great physician. Jesus is saying, bring it unto me. Bring it unto me. Bring it unto me. Bring it unto me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not an advocate of hanging on to your woundedness in the shadows. I, I do believe there might be a time of avoiding some things for it either being, being reinfected or re-wounded or making it worse. But all of us are responsible to treat our woundedness. Because it can actually paralyze you. It can actually get worse. It can get to the place where what was once just a cut is now threatening my entire spirituality, where I'm now cut off from everybody. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, God is wanting to make you whole. God is wanting you to make you stronger. God is wanting you to be an overcomer. Integrity, your commitments, your covenants, your agreements, your promises, all wound the inner man and can threaten to shipwreck us. The reason why this duality exists is because if one of these becomes imperiled, that the boat becomes imbalanced and can no longer go straight ahead. It can no, it, it, begins to, it begins to operate on a keel. The keel, the keel is off. And, and all it would take is a storm, which under normal circumstances would be a breeze to go through. But now we're at a disadvantage in a storm where we would have gotten through at an earlier age or a different place in our spirituality. A storm comes by and now... It capsizes the boat, and we become shipwrecked. We cannot afford to either lose a good conscience, and we cannot afford to wound our faith. Because our faith, and when I talk about our faith, I am not talking about the faith. I'm talking about our faith, that measure of faith that believes that God is for me, and God is with me, and this church is for me, and my pastor is with me. I want to tell you what, you start letting these negative voices in that start attacking those, 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 very, those very powerful roots of faith, and all of a sudden, you become hollow, and all of a sudden, you start listening to lies, and all of a sudden, you start believing things that are not true, and all of a sudden, 
you're, you're just hanging by a thread. I'm going to tell you, a lot of people that backslide, it is not the original offense that caused them to backslide. Don't ever believe that. It is not that. It is the fact that it was left untreated, and it began to canker, and it began to be a cancer, and it began to go deeper, and it began to take their hope, and it began to take their trust, and it began to affect their worship, and event their joy in the Lord. It began to take their prayer life. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. God is reaching for you because he wants you to float again. He wants you to... You can fake everybody else out, but you can't fake out God. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I love it that people just go, we're growing. One here, two there. We're growing. We had a baptism on Sunday. Praise God, she's here, here tonight. Welcome home in the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Welcome home. But I want to tell you what, every once in a while it's preaching and ministry like this that reaches in. It reaches beyond what people can see. It reaches beyond the hairline and the nice clothes and how you're doing. Everything's great. And I know that I've been talking about some of these things recently. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost has been dealing with me about letting God heal some people. Letting God absolutely heal some people. And I want to tell you, if you don't do it God's way, you're going to waste time and you're going to jeopardize your spiritual future and your spiritual resources and ultimately your spiritual profitability to the kingdom and the blessing on your life. So I'm here to help you. I'm not here to hurt you. There's a time for yelling and screaming. I'll probably do it Sunday. My Lord, this last Sunday, it's like somebody hooked me up to 440, and I was just like. But I love it. Why not? This is a fun church. You ought to look forward to coming here. It's not some grave, stern, under-the-law negativity. This is the kingdom of God as a party. That's what the prodigal was all about. Let's party. All right. All right, stop. Thank you. Don't get me going. There's a lot of moral failure under my sound of my voice here tonight. God love you? Absolutely. Has God walked out on you? No way. You go out and do your little thing. The worst thing you can do is stay away from church. That's the evidence you're listening to the wrong voices. We want to be like Adam and Eve. We want to hide from God. We hide from ourselves. We're not, we're not whole. We're divided. 
house divided against itself cannot stand. And so we limp through life. We fake it. We, 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 we have to fake things because if I can't talk to anybody, nobody will understand. I'm going to tell you, God understands. I didn't say he approves of it, but he understands. And I'm going to tell you what, there's bomb in Gilead. There is healing virtue available for you. No matter who you are and what you've done. The failure that takes place, there is a woundedness, a brokenness, a devastation, a catastrophe. The immediate brunt and realization of our sin and our woundedness affects our faith and it affects our conscience. We don't feel good about us anymore. Look at Luke chapter number 22, verse 31 and 32. I want to I start qualifying some of this. Luke chapter number 22. This is, this is Jesus Christ speaking to Peter. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. There is a whole world that exists beyond these words. Okay? And then the next verse. But I have prayed for thee. Now I want you to, I want you to, I think you're already tuning in, but. Sometimes I just need to say things because it makes me think that you're tuning in better. Peter already had the keys. But he had imperfect character. God chooses imperfect people. And similarly, God chooses the process to deal with that imperfect character. Pastor, I, I, I guess I can't let God use me even though he said he was going to because I'm not perfect. What makes you think that's the criteria of God using you? What we think is perfect may not, think, may not be what God thinks is perfect. We try to lie to ourselves and say, well, I'm not going to step on that crack in the sidewalk because then I'm imperfect. God says, I already know that you're, you're going to step on that crack and probably a thousand more. I want you to trust me and trust the blood and trust that I can give you the victory over that. And so in our self-imposed perfection, it's actually keeping us from what God has for us. Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. And I'm not, I'm not saying that God is going to advocate that. But God designs a process to reveal to you that you can't do it on your own. Peter could not Peter could not do anything about his rough son personality, his impetuousness. And a multitude of other things. And yet with all of these human flaws, God gave him the keys of the kingdom. 
And so Jesus, in this setting of Scripture, in Luke 22, if you'd please get that back up there, Brother Clark. Thank you. Jesus is prophesying his failure. You're going to fail. In fact, we don't have time to go into it. There's ensuing verses where Jesus says three times the rooster's going to crow, and that's going to be an altar call for you. That's going to let you know that I already know that you're going to do this. Sometimes when some of us mess up, this is why your conscience cannot be healed. You go out and mess up, and you can't let yourself back up. God's saying, I already seen that in you. I already seen you were going to do that. You weren't praying it out. You didn't get it out. I seen that you were toying with it. It's in your mind. It's in your heart. I already knew it was going to happen. But now you can't forgive yourself, and I've already forgiven you. This is so on target. People, this is hard for people to understand because the conscience, the conscience that has fallen will resist grace. Your conscience is the basis of the law. Romans chapter 2 proves that. But you have to understand your conscience only has two extremes, extreme right and extreme left. When I do good, I think I'm all good. When I do bad, I think I'm all bad. I can't do nothing good. Both of those are wrong. When you have the grace of God, you're going to have ups, downs, failures, successes. But guess what? I don't live by the merits of conscience. I live by the power of the blood. The blood is stronger than conscience. Because the blood, what the blood of bulls and goats could not do. It was the blood of Jesus Christ that purges us from dead works. Clap your hands and give God the praise. So, Jesus prophesized Peter's failure. And he said, when you get beyond all this, he uses the word converted there, use your failure as the basis of ministry. Strengthen your brethren through the experience you're about to get. When you fail, hold on, hold on, please. And I'm not rebuking you i got to get through this, and I'm long-winded Larry anyway, okay? When we mess up, we think God's got the ball, and I'll never get the ball. Where did you believe that? Where did you believe that when you messed up, it was all over? There's a big difference between denial and selling Jesus out. If you deny him because you're doing things that you know the word of God is against, that's a big difference from being a Judas. Judas never repented. And I can prove to you that suicide is demonic because Satan entered into him and then he went out and hung himself. But denial always has repentance. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want it to be about me and my personality and my 
preaching, teaching style, communication style tonight. There are people tonight that God sent me here to this building to let you know that if you'll do a God's way again, you will float again. Why don't we just lift our hands and love him? Let's just love him. We love him because he first loved us. I don't love him when I get around to it. I have to love him on the merits that I gain the understanding. I believe that the Bible is true when it says he first loved me. Please go back to verse um, 32, Brother Clark. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Now, Brother Derek, he had the keys. Where would his faith, where was his faith going to fail? See, Satan didn't sift him when he was denying. That was Peter. Satan sifted him when he failed. Satan said, I am going to get him to walk away from you. And I'm going to use his mistakes to do it. No, Satan. Satan didn't get him to deny. That was Peter. I got scripture for that. He said, Simon, Simon, you will deny me. Not Satan through you. You're not possessed. You're going to deny me. You're full of fear. You're afraid of the Roman centurions and the Roman indoctrination and the Roman power and the screaming eagles of Rome right here in Jerusalem. You're going to be intimidated. You're going to deny me. Satan sifted him when he failed. But Jesus said, I have prayed for thee that your faith is not based in your performance, but it's based on the Word of God. Clap your hands and give him praise. Your performance is going to let yourself down. My intent. I'm not up here because of my performance. I'm up here because of the grace and the power and the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of God that I believe and trust. All right, stop. Thank you. See, this is where Phariseeism comes in. It's people start thinking it's because of how good they are. There's actually people that think I'm good. How can Jesus say that there's none that's good? See, it's a danger to think that you're more than what you really are. The Bible calls it deception. If any man think himself to be something when he is nothing. That's why you're better off, Peter, just falling on your face and letting God pick you back up. Because now you have the proper revelation of really where you're at. People get so religious that they think that they're better than they really are, and then God can't really use them because when they do fail, because those things are really there, they become self-condemned. 
and they really aren't floating. They're shipwrecks. They're on the bottom. And they've taken on so much water that the very thing, the pitch that Noah put in place to keep the ark has been compromised. The convictions, the understandings, the wisdom. We have a tendency to lose all that when we mess up. So Jesus prayed that your faith. Now, Paul is using the illustration that there are some concerning faith. They lost it. And he uses two guys, Hymenaeus and Philetus. He uses Hymenaeus was a lot like Alexander the coppersmith. He was a constant burr under the saddle of the apostle. He's actually mentioned twice in the pastoral epistles. What happened was, stick with me, Hymenaeus and Philetus, they sinned, and instead of accepting God's forgiveness, they began to attack the church. Like, I've met people that actually fail, they actually mess up, and they have too much pride to repent. Go back to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 20. Of whom is Hymenaeus? And, now, he's using the illustration of two guys. Go back to verse 19 so we get a little bit of a holding faith and a good conscience. There's the balance, okay? Which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Go to verse 20. Of whom, he's using two examples now, Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. They were blaspheming the church. The first thing that happens when a person fails, if they don't quickly repent and come back to the church, is Satan moves in and tries to drive a wedge between them and the church. I've got more scripture that I'm going to use here in a minute to prove that very point. Hymenaeus and Alexander. Alexander is the coppersmith. Hymenaeus was a troublemaker. I know people tonight. I know people tonight that I love dearly that have got so much pride. They are, they are vulgar against the things of God. They are absolutely blasphemers and revilers against the things of God. All because they sinned. They messed up. And they have too much pride. So this is this is a reality here. But Jesus looked at Peter and said, I know you're going to fail. But I hope that when you mess up, that your faith is going to lead you to the altar. Your faith is going to lead you to repentance. Your faith is not going to lose sight of the fact that, Peter, I gave you the keys even though I prophesied your failure. Just because you mess up, God doesn't take away the call. The gifts and callings of God. Come on, somebody, finish it for me. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God does not take it back.
2 Corinthians chapter number 2. In that particular instance, it was somebody that was in danger of casting away their faith in their future. Probably some other things as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. This is the Apostle Paul. You might remember in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul was hearing that it is commonly reported that there was fornication in Corinth. Fornication. Is there anybody here tonight that does not know what that word means? It's over the age of 12. There is no other sin that was battled by the New Testament church like fornication. And the Apostle Paul said, we need to put that guy out. Put a guy out that was a fornicator. But here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, the individual comes back and he wants to be, he wants to get right. He wants to be, he wants to get integrated back into the body where his brothers and sisters are. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, the body of Christ, verse 7. So that contrariwise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. That is talking about a conscience that is like a dashboard light that will not shut off. saying is the body of Christ needs to reaffirm to this guy, hey, we forgave you. You've repented. You're not sinning anymore. You're one of us. Welcome back into the, come on, somebody help me out. Thereby bringing healing to his conscience. Verse number eight, wherefore I beseech you that you would comfort, confirm your love towards him. Verse number nine. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. Next verse. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. Paul was saying, I'm not there, but I trust you. If you forgive him, I'm with you. I'm totally behind. We're, we're all in this together. I'm forgiving also. To whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave it in the person of Christ. Next verse. Lest, where did Satan get on Peter? It was to separate him from his faith. Where is Satan trying to get in this picture to keep this man's conscience from ever accepting the fact that I am part of the body again? I am forgiven. I'm on my way to being healed. I am loved. The body loves me. You're still my brother. You still love me. I was a little kid. I just want to know. My mom and dad, you still love me? Still love me? It's one thing to be upset with me, but do you still love me? I remember when I was a new convert at 30 years of age making mistakes. I just wanted to feel God again. I just wanted to know, God, you still love me? And in bucketfuls, he poured out of me. Yes, yes. The Bible says, yes, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Paul is saying, I'm checking you out. See how healthy you are, Corinth. You're big and bad and don't come behind in any spiritual gift, but I'm going to find out if you can forgive people. You know, sometimes it's not that you can prophesy and speak in tongues and play the chariot and all the 
Bible like the back of your hand, but it's just simple things like forgiveness. Hey, love you, man. I'm okay. You're okay. Come on, man. Let's pray. I love you. This man had the potential of becoming shipwrecked if the body of Christ would not have shown forth the love of God. Now, it takes a good conscience. Let me tell you how you get a good conscience. You get a good conscience by you start doing what you know is right. You're going to continue to walk around with a guilty conscience because your conscience has already been informed by the Word of God that you're supposed to do that. See, once your conscience becomes programmed by the Word of God and you say, well, I ain't going to do that, you're never going to get rid of that guilty conscience. If you do, you become a reprobate. You get a good conscience by doing what you know to do. And when you do it long enough, you develop what the Bible calls integrity. The only thing the devil wanted out of Job was not his wife, not his kids, not his cattle, not to put boils on his body. He wanted one thing, Brother Darian, his integrity. Because integrity is the proof of faith and a good conscience towards God. Let's lift our hands and give God praise. God's trying to help somebody here tonight. God wants you to float again. God wants you to ride through the storms again, to bear precious precious things like gold and silver and precious stones and valuable things. Not just fake it till you make it. Not just be hollow. Not just be the phantom of cornerstone. Wearing a mask. One thing here, another way somewhere else. It's duplistic instead of integrous. First John chapter 3, and then we'll move on. I'm actually coming down the home stretch. First John chapter 3. Three, you should have that, Brother Clark. This is John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that said, Hereby we know that we are of the truth and sh shall assure our hearts before him. Verse 20, for if our heart condemn us, the word heart there is interchangeable with the entire processes of conscience, mind, will, heart. If our heart condemn us, condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. What does that mean? That means if you're sitting here tonight, you've been looking at internet pornography. God is greater than that heart that is condemning you. God still loves you. But you're not floating. You're sinking. You have some kind of affair going on. In a congregation this size, there's always some of that stuff going on.
No apostolic should be on any dating site. Well, pastor, it says Christian. Were you born at night or last night? Well, she said she's a good denominator. Listen, if you can't trust God to pair you up with somebody, and that's really what it is, you don't have enough faith. You're probably not where you're, you really need to be in God because God doesn't want to waste your life with somebody that's not going to fill the call. Let me, let me give you a revelation. If you're not married and you want to be and you're living right, God already knows their address. God is not going to waste two people in the 21st century to do something powerful for his name. But if you sell out and undercut the glory of God, it could retard your effectiveness of fully embracing your call. Oh, somebody help me out tonight. There are, there are thousands of Pentecostals that went ahead and got married anyway and have lived with nothing but regret. glad I married the right one. I've been in the doghouse lately, so I might. My wife is good for me. She, listen, a good wife, some of you want to silence your wife. Nag, 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 nag. If you ain't praying, you better thank God she's telling you you need to pray. That ain't a nag. She's your best friend. The people that are trying to hurt you are saying, don't worry about it. We won't pray today. We won't fast today. We won't witness to nobody. We'll stay home today. We'll just go on a picnic today. No, you need somebody to say, we're going to church today. We're going to revival. We're going to do something for God. If you want somebody to just take you out, you just follow your choices. That's exactly what you're going to get. I feel like I'm in a Pentecostal bumper car right now. I better get back where I'm. Woo. You need somebody that you're married to to look at you and say, you ain't praying enough. This whole section looks like a bunch of mannequins right now. You need to have somebody look at you and say, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen you fast. Well, if you keep that up, woman, what are you going to do, Mr. Tough Guy? You ain't going to do nothing. You better be glad God don't do something to make you pray. I don't like this kind of preaching. Honey, you need this kind of preaching, and you know it. Of course, she didn't know that. Don't want her to know I'm actually getting spiritual or something. Some of you characters leave the house and your wife doesn't know where you are for hours. Shame on you. 
in the world we're living in, the devil moves right in and says he's having an affair. You should never put that on that woman. You're going to sink it. My God, somebody help me out right now. Walk around the block. Drive around the block. Come to church and pray. But you need to let them know where you're at. me all in one. Yeah. Calling everybody up. Have you seen her? Have you seen her? Have you seen her? Have you seen her? What's, what's going on, Mr. Tough Guy? Can't take it? No, it ain't right. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Neither give place to the devil. Clap your hands and give God the praise. This ain't about getting even with somebody. This is about keeping the devil out of this thing. Devil, you ain't got no business being in this relationship. level of spirituality is not going to take charge of your flesh. You're going to start giving up stuff that you once had and try to live a mediocre life, and you're going to know in your heart of hearts, I'm not right. I'm not right. You have to get back to the original like the prodigal son. The prodigal son, when he came back, coming back was just the beginning. He still had to agree. These are the laws of the house. These are the responsibilities of the house. These are the duties of the house. And now I'm glad to do them because I don't want to. Come on, somebody help me out right now. You can't come back and say I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do and still feel like you're right. fake yourself out for a little while, but it'll catch up with you. Look at verse number 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have confidence towards God. I feel like giving it up. I just, I feel like praying to God. I feel like running to God. I feel like working God. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go with Brother Sergio and knock some doors and get in Sunday school kids. When I told my wife what, what you guys did last week, my wife said, I wish I'd have known. I wanted to go. We're always threatening to buy a van or a bus or something. Or, you know, I jump out like the jolly green giant, say, come to church. But then I get busy and say, I don't know how I'm going to do that, all that stuff. I got a little bit of Lloyd Squires in me, I think. Don't let that guy fool you. Don't let that clown suit fool you. He's one of the. He's one of the most impeccable, most incredible men I've ever met is Brother Lloyd Squires. Don't let that suit fool you. When you have confidence, when you have confidence with God, your boat will float. Your boat's not just floating. Dude, we're going to take the new world. We're going to get gold and spices and 
dude, we're having revival. But when you're doing stuff that nobody can see and you're in here, it's no wonder you can't run. It's no wonder you ain't got joy. It's no wonder. Now, I'm not putting anybody down, but let's get honest. Your boat is not floating. If our heart condemn us. trying to help. A couple things I need to talk about. Recommendations for the shipwreck. Number one, don't isolate yourself. The very first manifestation of isolation is you start thinking weird thoughts. Nobody loves me. The church hasn't been by in a week. I thought they loved me. When you were floating, the church hadn't been by for six months. You just understood because you were seeing 2020. You understand. People got jobs. People got family. People have responsibilities. People are going 90 miles an hour. When you isolate yourself, all of a sudden, everybody else has the problem. Not me. Warped and distorted thinking. You also adopt a negative self-image of yourself. You start pushing yourself away because the devil wants to see you. This is this is part of Peter's test. Peter, after he failed, I, I love the word of God. The word of God is not varnished over anything. It's raw. It's unadulterated. It's plain. Powerful. Peter didn't go off and walk around the house. Everybody said, we're going with you. In John chapter 20, when Jesus finally shows up, Peter's just hanging out with the other disciples. If you messed up, just get to church. Just hang out. No, I'm I'm preaching, I'm preaching to some people right now. I can feel Feel a connection in the Holy Ghost. Just Pastor, where's so-and-so? I haven't seen him. Oh, they messed up. They're listening to the wrong voices. They're not listening to us. What'd you do? You did. Man, let's go to the altar. Let's take care of it right now. I love you, man. I'm, I'm not walking out on you. I'm not bailing out on you. I'm not going to quit you. This is for keeps, man. Peter, when he messed up, everybody knows about it now. John going to say, you know, you get, you get this, you get this pride among the disciples. I'm the greatest. Well, how's your team? Yeah, well, you just blew it, big shot. <laughs> I can't hang out with those guys. What are they going to say about me? Sons of thunder. Want a fire to come down on those other cats. What are they going to say about me? No, he just hung out with the disciples. John chapter 20. Just hanging out. Jesus said, since he was hanging out, hey, Peter. Yes, Lord. Feed my sheep. You got a future. But God can't talk to you if you're not where he's talking. 
Hey, Peter. Yes, Lord. Love has found me. I still got a future for you. Feed my sheep. <laughs> okay. Jesus asked him the third time. Love has found me. Yep, and I knew you were going to mess up, but I still plan on using you. Feed my sheep. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. Rebuilding the shipwreck. There's people under the sound of my voice that God loves you. God loves you. God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. But we haven't been floating for a long time. I was going to use the last illustration here with Paul, Acts chapter 27. The boat, it got to the place in this boat that Paul was on where they started throwing all his luggage overboard. They threw everything overboard. All the luggage, all the wheat, everything that they were carrying. And the boat was driven. It became lodged into the shore. And there were two seas that met under the gaze of Eurachlodon. And tore the ship in half. Faith and a good conscience. And Paul said basically, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's the truth. If you'll check the text, it's there. I lost it all. But the supernatural. For there was an angel that stood with me this night. You can lose it all, faith and a good conscience, and it's torn in half. But God says, I'm not done. You'll float again. You'll preach again. You'll witness again. You'll testify again. Let's lift our hands, and let's love him right now. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that something go so far beyond the logic and the reason of the 21st century mind that's been molded by sound bites and just, just little societal little paraphrases and little symbolism that means nothing. And I pray for something that's deep and powerful and rich and glorious and wonderful to touch us. Pastor, how do I get a good conscience back? Just start doing what you know to do. Pray. Live for God. Read your Bible. Witness. Give. Give unto the Lord. How do I get my faith back? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Building up your most holy faith. Let's stand to our feet. Let's lift our hands. You'll float again. If you listen to me tonight, I'm was sent here by God to help you. You're not going to do it just being carnal. You're not going to do it with a minimum of spiritual exercise. No, 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 no. 
This thing's got to come up off the, off the ocean floor, and we've got to build this thing again. We've got to repair this thing. We've got storms to go through. We've got commodity to carry. We've got people to transport. This altar's open. Come on. We're not, we're not wasting any more time. This altar's open. This is not an admission of defeat or sin or anything. It's just God. God, I need you. 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 Be patient with yourself. Be patient with God. Take your limitations off God. Take your limitations off yourself. But you're going to have to get in the Holy Ghost so you can see yourself as it really is.